Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. So today we have with us special guest, Angie Hawkins. Angie, oh my gosh, believe it or not, is also an author and storyteller of an incredible book titled Running in Slippers, a train wreck story that drops social masks and social media facades to encourage connection through vulnerability. We don't connect by being perfect. We connect by being real. And if you haven't figured this out yet, you are on exactly the podcast created for something like that, because this is exactly part of my story and why I created this podcast is to keep it real, raw, and relatable. So from author to author, let's talk books. Let's talk about storytelling. Let's talk about the journey that really led us to where we're at today. So welcome, Angie. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for having me. Yes. And so obviously, for every story, there's a backstory. So let's hear it. How did you get started? Like, How did this book that has had incredible transformation, not only in your own life, but in the lives of those readers that have read it to the lives that you're touching through the work that you do. I'm just always curious to know, like, how this story came about, that story from inside that took form and is now in a tangible book that you get to share your message and story and wisdom with everyone around the world. Well, this is probably not the answer that you're expecting, but how it came about is I did not want to write it. I was intuitively guided to write it. And the more I saw how people were wearing their social mask and their social media facades, the more I understood the importance of writing it because people are not showing their vulnerable sides and it's creating this distortion. And the truth is vulnerability works the opposite way that we think it does because when you expose your flaws, it's actually very relatable and creates a sense of connectedness. So there are actually a few people who have done this that I know of. I don't know if you know who Neil Strauss is. He wrote The Truth. It's extremely vulnerable. And also, like, I feel Glennon Doyle is another author who has, like, gone into that space of vulnerability. So those are two authors that have, like, were inspiration for me to do it myself. Yes, I'm definitely familiar with both of those authors as well. And I love that what you had mentioned, the story wasn't just something you're, you said, you know what, today I'm going to write a book. It was divinely inspired, right? Yeah, because like even today, it's like terrifying to think that what I have put out to the world is out to the world to see. So it was not something that was exciting all of the time when I was in the process of writing it. Believe me how much I know. And and coincidentally, (laughs) when you said it's probably not the answer I'm looking for, it actually was. Okay. and, And the reason I say that is because I have yet to have met somebody else, especially coming on to the show where we both had divinely inspired books. I did not want to write a book. And I think for anybody even listening, sometimes when you're going through some major just like life, right? It feels like life is happening to you. It Mm -hmm. just feels heavy and just overwhelming. And then once you finally get the upper hand on that, where you're moving through your, your story and you're owning it, that's not something that just comes to you and says, yep, should write a book. 
the transformation that has happened in your life has actually divinely inspired your book because it's all part of this co-creation existence. And my book, the same thing was divinely inspired. I had no desire until somebody said one, start all with one little seed. You should write a book about that. (laughs) And I was like, nope. And so obviously that didn't pan out, but yeah. I'd love to hear more about your book process and just kind of how that divine inspiration came about where your willingness to surrender and just be like, you know what? I think I'm ready. I think the world needs my message, my story, and the courage to put oneself out there. Well, a big part of my divine inspiration, I won't give it away because it's part of the book, but I went through an extremely traumatic experience. And afterwards, I was in a place where I needed to find my purpose in order to carry on with my life. And I actually hired a personal coach. And in our very first conversation, he was like, if you could do anything where you don't have to worry about time and resources or whatever, what would you do? And I have always been a writer. And I've always like wanted to write a book, not about myself, though, because I was too afraid to allow myself to be seen and put myself out there. I did want to write a book. But like the dream in my heart that I told him is that I did want to write a book about myself, because if I didn't have to worry about any of the constraints, then I wouldn't have the fear of allowing myself to be seen. So I told him about how I wanted to write a book and I wanted to do these speaking events and connect people and bring people together. And this was during a time where I was like very depressed and anxious. And I was probably showing that at the beginning of our call. But then when I was telling him this dream of mine, he was like, did you see how much you lit up when you were telling me about that? And I didn't notice it until he mentioned it. But in that moment, I like could feel like my heart like overflowing and like it felt like my purpose. And even though he and I did not work on the book, like we had another track for my coaching like in that moment, I was like, yes, this is my purpose. So that was like always like my guiding point. Cause I was, cause again, like you have the beliefs, even like when I was in the middle and when I was publishing the book, like you, I was like, nope, I don't want to do this. I don't, this isn't for me, but it's like, I always had that guiding light. Like this is my purpose. So this is what I'm going to do. I love that. I mean, I see so many similarities just in, in that to, you know, from one writer to another. And it's, Pulling just little snippets of my my story too is I had gone through a really, really deep, dark place in time and that led me to, you know, figuring out like when you hit kind of your rock bottom, there's nowhere else to go but up. And yes. and I was I was definitely working with a coach at the time. And they're actually through the work and through our growth and transformation and just, you know, me starting to come like even one step from rock bottom to two to three, watching the physical evolution that they came and said, your story is powerful. It's profound. And you need to write a book about that. And that's exactly where I had zero belief in myself because I look back and I'm like, I just climbed a foot. Come on, like let's slow down here. And it was <laughs> me constantly shutting down the idea that I could actually do something that had such an impact and a reach that I never believed could have been possible for myself. So it's just really cool when you, when those little questions just through people that are there to support you and encourage you along the way, give you those glimmers of hope and light that there is something more for you and helping you see that because sometimes in our darkness, 
even though we're lighting up because we get excited about something, we couldn't see that. And so they're basically becoming a mirror for who we are inside. And I love that your coach saw that in you because you couldn't see it yourself. Right. And for that reason, and I don't know about you because we do have similar experiences, I try to tell people because it's easy to like, if you see someone doing something great or whatever, you think that they know you're like, oh, they know how great they are or they're doing a good job. But I try to specifically tell people that because they might not. And then you might be that person who inspires them or makes their day. So I, I do what I can to pay it forward. Yeah, absolutely. And encouragement goes such a long way. And I, I think, you know, now it's kind of like, I get that, oh my gosh, you're always so positive and so encouraging. I'm like, because I needed me back then, like for me, I didn't have that. And I know what it feels like to not get encouragement or have that belief. You know, sometimes you just need the inspiration, the encouragement, the validation a little bit, just to nudge you to keep going because we're so easy to give up on ourselves when we don't see that we're just an inch away from, you know, making an impact or life change or whatever that is in our lives. So I love that you do that as well, because you become a mirror for somebody else's potential. And you never know, you could be the one that just makes or breaks them, right? Yeah. And on the note of encouraging other people, because I just did a book talk recently locally. And one of the things that we were talking about was like, never underestimate the importance of surrounding yourself with loving and supportive people. Because I didn't learn to do that until just a few years ago. But once I did, one of the biggest benefits was now I actually have cheerleaders in my circle, which I had never had that before. And I didn't realize how much that was impacting my mental health. Absolutely. I'm jotting that down one for a (laughs) reminder of myself, because I always felt in the same situation where you can only be your biggest cheerleader. But when the noise of overwhelm and, and anxiety and depression and despair come looming in, you can't hear that voice. You can't you right. can't see it. So recognizing that you would even, from what you had just said about having, you didn't recognize that the people that were in your support system weren't really there for the encouragement. That's typically because of how we grow up. We have friends and family that, you know, have gone through life with us that we don't recognize that there's something different, better or more out there until we take a step out of that circle and experience it from a different perspective. Exactly. Like, and when I was saying this out loud in the book top, I I almost, I think it sounded like I was playing the victim, but the truth is you don't know what you don't know. I truly didn't know that I didn't have loving and supportive people surrounding me because I only knew what I knew Mm -hmm. and that what I was used to. Yeah. And so how, how did that how did that change the dynamic of your relationships once you've recognized that there was something greater and more and it was of love and kindness and encouragement and, and hope and inspiration much drastically than what you were currently experiencing? Or is that just something from my own experience? I'm just assuming we, we've we had similar yet different yeah. uh, experiences. I mean, there's several different dynamics that play out. One that comes to mind is just the reciprocity of it because then like I'm more willing to be a cheerleader for that person as well whereas I feel like before when I had uncompassionate and critical people like the resentment would build and it just like created that like yeah. tense dynamic so it's just more like open I first word that just came to my mind was safe I feel a lot more safe to be who I am and 
you know, like we live in a, like, just get over it, toxic positivity kind of society. So I like to be around people where it's safe to like have less than positive emotions because I'm a human being. So I'm not happy all of the time. So I think a big component of your tribe is a feeling of safety. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's exactly what I felt like was really missing in my life is that not only was I just starting to find myself and I, I started to build little pieces of supporting, you know, members in, in my community, even just start starting first with that coach who just, you know, said, you should write a book. I was like, wow, somebody believed in me. And then it was just those little, little bits. Right. And so eventually I call them like the breadcrumb because it, or the, the yeah. crumbs, right. The breadcrumb, cookie crumb, whatever it is, because it will lead you back to the wholeness of what you are inside that was broken down and damaged just through life of like wear and tear. And so I always felt like those individuals played a huge part in just making me feel pulled together again versus broken and damaged. Cause that was a belief that I truly held about myself was that nobody would love me or want me because I'm, I'm, you know, use bruised and damaged kind yeah. of stuff, whatever it is, because that was how how I perceived myself. I didn't have the loving, nourishing relationship with myself as I do today. And so the care that I give to myself is also a mirror reflection of how I can show up for others as well. Yeah. And I I think this is the same thing as what you're describing, but basically, you know, having that loving support group gives you the safety to be your authentic self because when you're playing in the old dynamic, like you really are broken because you're not being authentic. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like there's missing pieces of you. And so what, what were some of the pieces that you felt weren't of a wholeness that you got to either complete yourself or, you know, by others that help fill in some of those cracks and gaps. And it's not like we're, you know, what's the analogy like that? broken beautiful pottery that once it's put piece together and there's you see like the gold that lines the cracking of yeah the, the, oh my gosh it's a beautiful analogy and and how much then when you take that piece of pottery and you look at it and and really appreciate all of its uniqueness otherwise comparing it to another pot it just looks like oh that's a beautiful blue vase but you don't see the scars and wears and tears and the gold that yeah. line. It's a beautiful uh, analogy on there. But I'm curious to know more about that. I think there's so many things I can speak to. I think the biggest piece for me was because my main beliefs were that I didn't deserve to be loved and I wasn't important. And my way of trying to feel loved and feel important was to receive external validation from other people. And that's why my book, I call it a train wreck story. That's why it was a train wreck because that obviously led to a lot of drama mistakes, like basically was not working for me. So the biggest change that I've made and it's not easy was to like, I validate myself. I don't need other people to validate if I'm worthy of love or if I'm important. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely relate to that as well. And so I would assume probably you're also in that category of people pleasing. And so, right. It's, <laughs> right. I see, I see you shaking your head. You're like, yep, that's me too. I would love to learn more about that. And some of the revelations that came about once you recognized and pulled back on the people pleasing, now that you started to recognize your own value and self-worth. Yeah. I mean, I used to 
greatly lived my life for other people and what they expected for me, even like what society expected for me. And again, it was like pulling away from my authenticity. And God, I feel like I can go in so many directions with people pleasing. I actually I have an interesting note on people pleasing. As I was healing and coming out of it, I read a quote that basically people pleasing is a form of manipulation because you're not being authentic and you're acting in a way to create a response from someone else. And generally that response is, I want to get this person to like me or be accepting of me. So that was a huge game changer for me. Um, But also like one of the things I've worked with, with my coach was being loyal to me. So now when I make a decision, I'm loyal to me. And that doesn't mean I don't take other people's feelings into consideration, but that's not the only thing I take into consideration. Cause that used to be, I would only take other people. I was loyal to other people basically and not myself. And now I'm loyal to me. And that was like the biggest game changer is being loyal to myself. Hmm. Yeah. So I, I couldn't agree more. I, I love that you had that recognition where you just, you had at this point recognizing that people pleasing is a form of manipulation and control. Cause oddly I had the same revelation too. And that really rubbed me the wrong way because I didn't realize that my actions were intended for good. However, were not coming from a place that felt good in that alignment where when we people please, it now becomes like, if I do this, this is the expectation I expect in return. And when that isn't delivered because the communication and the expectation don't align, then there's that resentment and disappointment. Mm-hmm. And then that exacerbates that cycle of, you know, beating yourself up for feeling like, you know, you're a loser or a failure. You couldn't even get the thing you want. That person doesn't love you. They're withholding. And you can go down that negative self-talk. But when I recognized that very similar to what you shared is that it put almost a hard stop on it because it drew the attention to what my actions were. And then I had to question myself, what are my intentions? Like that was a huge pause in my life. I was like, whoa, I was just blindly going and thinking, oh, I'm just a people pleaser. I really am craving their love and attention. If I do this, I'm going to get that. And then every time I kept feeling disappointed because of that letdown. Yeah. Yeah. So how, like just, you know, using some of these shared experiences and, you know, obviously what you share in the social and online space, it's about really encouraging individuals through connection and vulnerability. And when we talk about bringing our stories and our purpose and our mission into a public online space, such as social media, which is everywhere, how do you vary what to show and what not to show? Or do you feel like there's a line that is kind of a little bit more reserved for the intimate moments that are are truly to respect your privacy? Because the reason I ask that is because with social media, it depends on the content creator behind the images and videos that are shared. There's a story. And maybe that story is not living up to the individual of who they really are behind those images. Yeah. And just to be clear, when I speak of social mask and social media facades, I would argue that they are sometimes necessary because you don't just want to go on social media and emotionally vomit and like trauma dump all over people who are following you because that's not healthy for either person. 
where I think it becomes unhealthy is like the filters, like excessive filters, I should say. There's nothing wrong with a pretty picture, but intentionally hiding what's going on behind the scenes. And I found I was unintentionally filtering myself because, for instance, I used to live in Chicago. I moved to Hawaii about four and a half years ago. And when I first moved here, naturally, I was posting pictures of me surfing, hiking, doing all this fun stuff that you would do here. And I had a few people who I had not been in contact with a while. They actually thought, a lot of people actually thought that I moved here and retired because I don't post pictures of me working because that's boring, you know? So like I was unintentionally creating that image of like me leading like this happy life and that I was living the life. And on some level I was, but what they weren't seeing was what was behind the scenes, which also influenced me to write my book because it's like, just because I live in paradise doesn't mean my life is paradise. And what I recently started doing on social media is in my caption, it's Instagram versus reality. So Mm -hmm. you see the picture, but here are all the things that are going on behind the scenes. And it's not always deep. Sometimes you're just tired or, you know, there's always like another level to the picture that people don't see. So I just point all those things out like, oh, I was self-conscious of my face or I was feeling tired today. But sometimes it is deeper, like, oh, I spent all morning crying about X, Y, Z. Yeah. And and you know what? I honestly think that social media is coming around more in a place where authenticity and vulnerability are really encouraged more. So I have definitely seen a shift in social media since the time that I wrote my book, or at least just starting to write my book back in 17. So obviously time has changed. But during that time, it was all about filters. Like, I never even knew who the real individual looked like. Then the stories that they would put out there, you see like, oh, look at me. I'm living my very best life. And it's like every single day. Like, like, come on, where's the realness? And it made me feel like I was missing out and that there was something, you know, wrong with me in a sense. Like, well, why can't I find consistent joy? Why can't I do these things? Why can't I look like that person? And so I found myself, this is obviously prior to me realizing that, I have the power to choose, but, you know, for somebody who doesn't have that and is just possibly coming up in their own transformation journey or not, you know, maybe on the cusp, they don't know any different. And I feel like as content creators or just, just writers in general, we need to show more facets of a person and their dynamic is, and not just limiting them to the one thing. And that was something I had, you know, in my own journey, like of self-discovery, like, oh, you know, you hear out there, be the one thing, do the one thing, be known for one thing, one and one. And I'm like, one, do you know how many things are inside my head? Like, how do you harness one? (laughs) So I'm curious to know your thoughts on that as well. Yeah, well, it's funny that you specifically mentioned 2017, because that was a really bad year for me, because my boyfriend broke up with me. And shortly thereafter, my dad passed away. So I went basically the entire year, I was like in profound grief. And that was during a time where social media was very like toxic positivity. There were not a lot of great resources for grief. I didn't have a lot of support in my real life. There was not a lot of support like online or on social media. But now I see like some Instagram accounts that like, are just dedicated to grief. And it's like, man, I wish I would have had that back then. So yeah, it has changed a lot. Yeah, And it, yeah, so it is important for 
people to speak up because you never know if that's helping someone else. Because if someone is coming fresh off an account that's all polished and perfect, and then they see you, then they like see like, okay, I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to hide behind my polished facade. Yeah, very much so. And I feel like the dynamic of social media is, is, and just in general, like even marketing, I mean, I've been in the marketing space for so many years that recognizing now the difference between like the intentional marketing and then the emotional marketing and like where it's going with it. And so we're starting to see more of this authenticity that is sweeping the marketing. And and I could not be any more, any more for it than I am now because I want to see a change in how people do things. Agree. Yeah. So how how has just the release and publication of your book truly just changed the trajectory of your life? Like what's what became? I mean, obviously you got your life back, you've reclaimed your power, you're living, you know, your best life, and that's going to vary day by day. So I'm curious to know how all of this kind of plays out into the life of today, like every day. Yeah, well, going back to like, you never know who you're going to impact. My initial response from other people was basically like, oh, I went through this or some the people who go through similar things and like having those like connecting conversation about those things. I mean, I have I have a separate Instagram account for my writing. And this man who I've been connected with for years, he's like in his 60s. And there is a piece of my book where my mom and I are looking through old photo albums. And as a child, there were like an alarming number of pictures of me crying. And like I, in my book, I'm like reflecting on that. Like, why did she take so many pictures of me crying? I thought that was weird. But anyway, he picked out that one piece of the book and he reached out to me like, oh my gosh, my mom has or had like a bunch of pictures of me crying. And like, so we had like a really connecting conversation over that. And it was just like the little things. And also I've been doing live speaking events. And at my recent event, we did a group exercise where everybody shared a picture where they have either posted it on social media or otherwise publicly posted it. And then everybody would tell where they're seemingly happy. And then they would tell the backstory of what was really going on. And, you know, that could go either way. I was actually nervous about that exercise because I was like, people could be really superficial and this could go by in like 20 minutes and then we're done. But like everybody told a really deep story and it was just so connecting. Like one girl told a story of how she was bullied because her mom had a mental illness, someone else, she struggled with alcoholism and anxiety. And it's just like, these are real life problems. So it just felt so relatable as opposed to like, sometimes Instagram does not feel so relatable when everybody's like all perfect and polished. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that you share that because again, the little things that you do or experience in your life, you don't recognize the impact or or a difference maker, or even just a conversation starter. And it's so profound because it, it really does come back to, I think what really matters here is on this earth here is human connection. It's we're all in it starving for the same things, but yet we're so quick to pretend that we're not, but yet inside, we want the same thing the next person does. So why are we not just human to human connecting? Yeah. And that's like one of the ways I pitched the book is like, 
we all go through the same shitty things, but we, we aren't talking about it. So we don't know. So that's why we like hide because we like, I don't want you to know that I'm going through this because I don't want to be embarrassed, but we're all going through it. So why not just talk about it? Yeah. And that's, uh, I I love, I love that approach because that's again, kind of when I went through my own story, the promises that I made to myself was that one, my mission would to, would be to inspire, encourage, and empower other women to not feel or struggle or any of the stuff that I had to, if there's a way that they can shortcut or learn through my mistakes, mishaps, misfortunes, all that stuff, here's what happened and here's what not to do. And so then the other side of it was, it just opened the conversation for realness because I was able to own my story that I feel like I don't have a filter on that anymore. And And sometimes it could kind of go a little bit twofold, right? But I mean, there's a knowing yourself and knowing when there's a time and place to hold back a little bit because not everybody is ready at that place. And it's about now recognizing individuals and meeting them where they're at and then helping them to get to where they want to go. And that's a really good point because like I'm all about vulnerability now, but I've learned some people are not Mm -hmm. and that's okay. So you have to respect where other people are on their journey. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's been a unique journey. Just just the post book writing journey, post book of of uh you know publication to you know live events to doing all the work, right? So you're out there spreading your message. You're showcasing that what is possible when you reclaim your life. You're showcasing what it's like to be real and to know also. You lived in this dark period for so long that now this light is something that not only you become, but you become the magnet for others by attracting them with this change from within. Yeah. And I'm sure you've experienced this too, but it's like when you shine from the inside, like people are just drawn to you. Like it's weird. Like I have people coming up and talk to me like I never have before or like animals love me kids love me like it's it's a whole different kind of living that's for sure it really is because you're 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 exuding the love that you felt you didn't receive or earn or deserve but you've cultivated and curated that from within and now you become that for others who are lacking or you know just not getting enough of what it is that they're looking for yeah, because there's a quote that I see a lot probably on Instagram, but it's like, don't chase attract. And that's exactly what that concept is, because I used to chase and it would like repel things away. And now I just kind of shine from the inside and things just come to me naturally now. And I'm not yeah. saying I don't have difficult times at all. I'm not saying that, but trust me, the way and I'm sure you resonate the way I live my life now is way easier than how I was living it before. Yes, 100%. And I love that you just brought that up because oddly enough, I was just on a, I, I had a, another podcast episode earlier today and we talked exactly about that, about attracting, like when you let go of the expectation and the outcome, you end up attracting what it is you truly want because there is no emotional attachment to it. Right. I know. And it's so much easier said than done, but once you truly understand how that works, it's way easier to let go of the attachment. Right. But then I'm going to tie this back in real quick about people pleasing because oh, yeah. when we let go of that people pleasing, what happens? They fall off or they start meeting you at least halfway if that relationship was actually of value. 
So it's really cool now to say, oh, those are the people that are genuinely invested in me because when I can't give all, they step in to support my missing pieces. And then there's other people who are like, wait a minute, Rachel always did X, Y, and Z. Why is Rachel not doing it? Mm -hmm. Because Rachel's done pleasing and getting disappointed and feeling being used and taken for granted. And there was a difference of recognizing that because now you realize letting go, the things just naturally happen in life. Yeah. And a side note on that, some people do fall off, but some people don't, but they're all still not healthy. And you have to make the difficult decision. Like, do I continue with this dynamic or not? But I will say, even though it is hard to intentionally end a friendship or end any kind of relationship, and this has happened every single time, once that person is gone, they're replaced by someone who is more on the same path as you. Very much so. Yes, I can definitely say I've experienced that in in all different walks and seasons of of my post-writing book. And I use that almost like the 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 fulcrum of before and after because that was really where the transformation took place. And it was actually right before I felt like maybe six six to twelve months prior to me actually sitting down to write my book. I had to really harness it and process like all of my life pieces were changing. And then I could say, yeah, I think I'm ready to start writing. And that's when I said yes about the book. But it wasn't because that person planted the one seed. It took a while for that seed to start germinating before I decided, oh, look, I should write a book. (laughs) (laughs) See, I like blindly just started thinking like, oh, I probably won't ever do this because I always had that that, that doubt, but I just kept doing it. And then it gets to the point where it's like, I've gotten this far. I'm just doing it. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So speaking of which, are you going to write again? Do you have another book in you? Like what? what's next? That's a good question. I would, I do want to write another book. I don't know about what, although I do have an idea. So my original draft of my book was twice as long as it is now. And I had an Excel spreadsheet that was like organizing my chapters and I was editing out entire chapters to, you know, get it down to a reasonable length. And to psychologically make myself feel better about it, because, you know, you spend a lot of time writing. I made another section of my spreadsheet that was for my next book. So instead of deleting that chapter, I just moved it over to that section. Mm. So I have enough material for another book. But what I want to do before I write another book is record an audio book of this book, because I know that's a big market. And a lot of my friends who know me, they were like, I could like hear you, like hear your voice as I was like reading these words. And they were like, I would love to like have the recorded, especially because a big part of my book is my critical inner voice. And I think that would really stand out more to readers if they would hear it as I hear it in my head, if that makes any sense. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Because when I had to do my audiobook. Ooh, that was, I think, the hardest part of the whole book process. Oh, really? Yeah. Because having, well, not only have you written your book and you've lived through your book and you've read it a hundred million times, in this, like actually reading it and reading it out loud, it landed differently. But it was from all from a place of experience. So, I mean, I, I had to read it out loud prior to me actually reading it for my Audible but I absolutely love what I put out there for the audible because it was exactly how I, this is my philosophy on everything that I create, put it out there and put it out there the best you could. And that is done. Done is better than perfect and let yeah. it go. And how the message is meant to be received 
is going to be received and hit the people that it needs to hit and reach them in a, in a way that, you know, at the different seasons of their life. And that has been something part of my journey of letting go of perfection and just trusting that innately you already know what you're doing. So put it out. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, though, because at my last event, at my events, I've been trying to storytell chapters of my book because I think it's boring just to read. But at the last event, the chapter that I read was a little bit longer and it was like really vulnerable and it had a bunch of details. And I'm like, I'm just going to read it because I don't want to like forget any of the details. But to your point, because it is the most vulnerable chapter of my book, it was hard to read out loud. And I know that because I wanted to read it out loud for time at home. And when I did that, I kept like choking up because I was going to cry and I almost chickened out at the event. I was like, I'm not going to read this chapter. I'm going to read a funny chapter because yeah, it does hit different when you read that out loud. So I know exactly yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And how, how was that received? So it was received really well because that was the same event where we did the exercise of telling the backstory behind what you posted. And again, I almost chickened out and read like a more lighthearted chapter. But I truly believe because I put myself out there and led with vulnerability, that made it safe for everyone else to follow. Because I was like blown away with how well the group exercise went because everybody was like so vulnerable and sharing. But then afterwards, when I was reflecting on it, I was like, I don't know if it would have gone that way if I would have read a funny chapter or otherwise lighthearted chapter. Right. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that you you chose to go with, you know, what you felt inside was really what was needed. But going back to your to your second book, any preview or or glimpse of what it could be, or you know, is it it obviously it ties in with your first book as well? Yeah. So I my book is it's half funny and there are like some definitely dark moments. I want my next book to be not so dark. But I also want it to be inspiring and help people. So I'm not really sure what that theme is yet. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I wanted I'm... to do a theme because I surf. I wanted to do a theme where it's like parallels between, you know, surfing and life. But there's a lot of books already like that. So I need to figure out a way to be different if I go in that direction. Well, I think your story is what sets you apart. That is a difference maker. I know, but like... I guess my reservation is like on the marketing side because mm. I don't want it because I know the book itself would mm. be a lot different, but I want to present it as like, no, this is a lot different than the other books that are yeah. already like this. Yeah. I I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It could definitely be a bit of a challenge trying to figure that out because I'm, it's similar in the same boat. My, my, you know, obviously my first book here, Chasing Perfection, it's pretty heavy because it's taking you through the darkness as the journey leads you to the light. And so in my second book, I want to show about more of the light of like, what's the calm after we do that inner work. But then there's also parts where it's like, oh, but don't worry. I've fallen back a few times too, but <laughs> yeah. here are some lessons because nobody, you know, to sustain the highs for ever and ever and ever is not realistic. So I can definitely feel you on that end. And I am curious though, <laughs> your title, where did that come from? Mm, good question. It's funny because not a lot of people ask me this. And I I had a lot of reservations about the title of the book. So the introduction of the book tells you the exact story of when I came up, like when I decided that was the title. But so I won't give that away. But in general, running in slippers, 
So I live in Hawaii and here flip-flops are called slippers. So it basically means running in flip-flops and running in flip-flops is a metaphor for the journey of life because it can be dangerous and full of obstacles and scary and all the other things, but it can also be adventurous and fun and playful. So running in slippers is basically being open to the adventure of life, wherever that takes you and being able to handle all the obstacles. So if you trip and fall while running in slippers, you just get back up and I love on it. and learn from your mistakes. Yeah. Oh, I love, I, I always love when there's a little, little secret behind the message. <laughs> um, yeah. Very similar with my book as well. And so I, I just love our conversation because, you know, here we are two different sides of the, the country here connecting over very similar shared experiences, yet vastly different and, and unique to our own. But the message that our through line message between the two of us here is that you have that power within and that you can become whoever it is that you desire to be just because our past may have happened doesn't mean it's going to hold us back from a future version of who we want to become. Absolutely. Because I tell everybody, like, if I can make these changes in my life, anyone can. Because I used to have zero self-worth, zero confidence. Like, I used to be scared of everything. And that's not to say I don't have moments where I'm scared or like have the doubts, like, I don't know if I can do this because those things never go away. But yeah, if you and I can do this, anyone can do it. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you are struggling with that, definitely know that we're here rooting for you and cheering you on. Yeah. And please reach out to either one of us because we're, that's, that's the thing. Like we recognize when, when somebody's going through an experience that they may or may not be aware that they're really not alone because sometimes that's the thing is that we could feel alone in our own journeys because we're the ones that yeah. are experiencing it in that moment. And as we go through life experiencing that, we don't really have the fortitude or insight to look beyond what is happening in those moments. But somebody who has gone through something similar sees those blind spots, can help navigate and guide you quickly to safety. And so I think that that's so important to recognize. Absolutely. Yes. Well, well, this has been an incredible conversation. So of course, let's give all the details. How can our listeners learn more about you? How can they buy your incredible book, follow along with your journey, watch out for <laughs> book number two, all the, all the things, right? <laughs> give it, give our listeners um, all the details. First of all, thank you in, for inspiring me for book number two, because I need to think more about it. And that was the kick in the butt that I needed. But uh, Running in Slippers is available on Amazon. You can just search for Running in Slippers. It comes right up. I have a website, runninginslippers.com. And my Instagram handle, where you can see Instagram versus reality, is Angie Hawkins 808. Oh, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Angie. This This has been an incredible conversation. So again, everything will be included in the show notes. So be sure to look below and click the links and do all the things. So thank you again. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks. Hey there, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. 